With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Welcome to the Blue Room. It is the first transfer show of the summer. I am Matt Jones. I'm going to be joined by Rob Vera, as well as we talk about all the Everton transfer targets that have been mentioned over the course of the last few weeks and potentially going into the new season. Before we do get stuck into that, just a note, I'm sure everybody now will be well aware of the fact that Everton have suspended a first-team player pending a police investigation and the club have confirmed they're going to continue to support the authorities with inquiries and will not be making any further statements at this time. And obviously, we are aware of this. Um, and for legal reasons, we'll be doing the same and not mentioning any more on this on any of our shows going forward. But just to recognise that we are aware of the situation, uh, we will not be talking about it for a variety of reasons um, from a legal perspective. But um, we will move very quickly on. Uh, Rob, we're here to talk about transfers. As I said, um, it's your favourite time of the year, this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a summer, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny, it's funny because, yes, it, it generally is my, my favourite time of year on some bizarre level, but I, I've, I've had random people in my mentions asking, well, when, is, when are you guys going to do a transfer pod? And my response was when there's something to talk about <laughs> it just i mean i i guess that my bar over the years my bar has gotten a little higher than just the super stretch links that come from uh kind of dodgy sources uh, on the continent and and the the occasional translation through sport witness about a possible you know a player that is that the, the, the club has really got an eye on or something like that. I mean, I, I just have been waiting for something a little more concrete. And suddenly this uh, week, uh, things have certainly sprung into action and we've got more to talk about. And 
and obviously the the the, the position in particular, the positions in particular that we're going to be discussing today, and around the prospects that it looks that we are around the players that it appears we're going to be signing. Um, it, it certainly. Uh, seems to indicate that that Rafa Benitez meant what he said, uh, you know, based on those quotes that he had earlier. I guess it was last week about Dominic Calvert-Lewin and, and the need for more consistent uh, service into the box for him. And so uh, that's where we're at. And yeah, I'm excited that, that Everton are finally with a few weeks before the season starts uh, getting a little bit busier. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see where the out, you know, what the uh, outgoings look like as well. I think clearly um, I think it goes without saying that there is a lot that's fluid right now in regards to the squad structure, but yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a bit of a crazy few weeks from that point of view, I'd imagine. Just before we get into talking about the, the names themselves, I think everybody knows the, the free wingers who we're going to be speaking about. Um, Andros Townsend looks like the closest to being done. Damari Gray very much behind them. And then Dwight McNeil, who's obviously been mentioned over the past uh, 48 hours or so now, really. Who That one might be a bit trickier to, to get over the line. But I, I was sort of looking at this, Rob, and thinking you know, about wingers and stuff like that and you know obviously we look like we might be signing three uh, certainly two in the next uh, in the next couple of days I was sort of looking at the squad and thinking well you know maybe we're okay there on, on the left hand side but actually going through the, the names of the players we've got I don't really think we've got anyone in, in the squad who is right. just what you'd call a, a natural winger and it you yeah. know I think we, we obviously Iwobi's played there Richardson's played there Hammers played there Bernard played there but I think most of them want to play in a central position and you know at their best in a central position so I suppose just from a, a basic standpoint of looking at the squad and, and what we need you know Benitez has maybe identified something very very quickly there that's that's straightforward but maybe it's, it's not something we've always quite realized over the past uh, over the past couple of years yeah I I, I think that even just in having this discussion over the last 24 to 48 hours when uh, the links to Andrus uh, Townsend and uh, Damari Gray came up and then obviously yesterday with Dwight McNeil, it did it did give us give some of us pause. But to your point, I, I did kind of the same thing. And I was like, well, um, do we do we is this about depth or or do we even have wingers in this squad? And 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 the more you you look at it and, and really when you get back to think, you know, think about all the discussions that we've had over the years and the angst that we've had uh, when a starting 11 is named and uh, going back to Roberto Martinez, it, it, it even feels like it just there, there aren't really there really haven't been a lot of, you know, true wing players, uh, true uh, guys that are going to, you know, take on a fullback, try to dribble past him, get across in the box. We've had guys playing on the wing, but that does not necessarily make them wingers, if that makes sense, right? And so um, to, to see this particular, it, it almost feels, and maybe just because of the order that these transfers seem to be coming in, that there seems to be a, a very concerted, uh, hyper-focused effort uh, on, on addressing this position. And it tells us a little bit about, um, what Rafa Benitez sees as one of the weaknesses of the squad. And, and, and honestly, look, I, I'm one of those who believes that we've got to create more chances when you've got uh, two really good finishers, two really good strikers, but especially Dominic Calvert-Lewin as, as just a, uh, a very top level striker and, and, and header of the ball and finisher in this league. 
Um, they can't, uh, as we say all the time, they can't just survive on scraps, right? Um, so anything that we can do to, uh, to, to provide more consistent service, and, and I think a lot of you have seen the tweets going around that kind of address uh, the, the performance of, uh, in that regard, in particular, of guys like Dwight McNeil and, and even Andres, uh, Andres Townsend uh, last season. I think that that's, that's kind of the idea. Now, hopefully that is not, uh, it's, I think it would probably be a little bit of an oversimplification to say, well, that's the plan uh, on attack is just just to get crosses in <laughs> and that's that's the whole game plan but I, I do think that for those who say well you can't just win doing that well I agree you can't just do that and win but let's be clear I think Everton could be better at this uh, Everton can uh, you know really do need more than just Luca Dean to provide service into the box they need more than just um, you know guys taking a corner and hoping that uh, Michael Keane or Yerry Mina or someone like that gets on on a ball or that that Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin you know might might be able to to lose their man marking I mean I think that creating uh, more of these chances gives uh, us an opportunity to score more and and I think it's it's just about providing also finally a little more a little bit more uh, of an ability to stretch the width of the pitch I think that where Everton run into problems and 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 we've seen this in the congested slow low attack that they've had over the last few years is that <clears throat> everything starts being played in the middle um, and we really frankly aren't a good enough passing side uh, to be able to continuously play that way and hope that we can you know carve out a chance sometimes you've got to have the ability to both play hopefully a you know really nice intricate beautiful style in the middle of the park uh, but when that's not working you also have to have the ability to consistently get crosses in especially if you're going to be deploying uh, very tall players, which Everton have, you know, a good handful of. So, you know, from that standpoint, I'm, I'm a little encouraged, though I I was probably like you, Matt, and I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, look, we, you saw Andrews Townsend's name and you couldn't help but be a little underwhelmed. But as, as people have pointed out, I think that that there is the sense that you need to try to find ways to, you know, fill out the depth in the squad with one type of player, especially players that are on shorter term commitments, uh, for instance, maybe as bridge players while you, you work on on other signings or you work on developing other players who are younger. Um, and ultimately, regardless of the order that this goes in, and I think Patty pointed this out very astutely on Twitter uh, yesterday or the day before, that really, if Everton can spend cheaply and open up money there with some of the departing players like Bernard, you know, perhaps uh, going or, or, or a few others that go, then you can spend more money and maybe bring in with that limited amount of money that you've got two or two to maybe three starting players. And so it really is about a longer game here. But but the more I think about it, the, the more I'm kind of okay with the idea of, of some of these guys like Townsend as a, as a, a depth player. Damari Gray, which we'll, who we'll get on to, I'm a little more intrigued by given his age and given the fact that a few years ago I would have absolutely been thrilled to, to be signing him away from Leicester. Um, so I, I think that they're... There is something to hold on to here, but it's uh, like everything with Everton and, and some of the signings they, that they make each summer. You, you, there's always a few caveats here and there, and it all depends on really how you look at it. Yeah, I think it, you made, made a few interesting points there. I've been scribbling notes down, as you were saying, in regards to, to things that I think, you know, just sort of come into mind there. And 
I think that the stuff about the the pace of the team is obviously something we mentioned a lot last season. How one paced it was, and I think if you look at those three lads and you know assume McNeil gets done, albeit I don't think it's you know potentially anywhere near to close to being finished. I think Burnley will dig the heels in and make it difficult for Everton. But if Everton sign McNeil, Townsend, and Gray, then they're probably already in what three of the top five fastest players of the football club. Yeah, <laughs> already. You know, you've probably got Ben Godfrey, who's a centre back. You know, and then you've right. got maybe Richarlison and, and Darmy are about the same as them. But those three automatically, you know, if you're doing, if you're on FIFA for Everton next season, you've got those lads in the squad, and you sort the squad by pace. Then they're on near the top, aren't they? And just mm-hmm. just a couple of other things that I think are going to be interesting. You know, again, assuming Everton want to get these three lads in, and and we'll get these three lads in. One for me is the the system Everton are going to play. And you just sort of look at it and think, with those wide players, with Carver-Lewin, um, maybe going towards a, a 4-4-2, potentially, with natural wide players who, you know, have got license to get crosses into the box and, um, you know, really offer that supply line. And sort of in keeping with that is the role of Richarlison as well. Because if Everton sign players like um, Gray, who I think likes to play on the left-hand side. McNeil, he's played pretty much exclusively on the left-hand side for, for Burnley since he's been at the football club. Then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, and again, I'm assuming here that Alex Iwobi doesn't go anywhere as well because there's, there's nothing to indicate he will at the moment. Then, then all of a sudden, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where where he goes this season and potentially starts becoming the, the centre-forward that perhaps he wants to be and perhaps where, he, where he's best at. So I think it's sort of maybe be giving us a little bit of an indication into not only how the manager wants to play, to play, but what system he might want to play in and where he potentially sees some of the key assets and perhaps as well, you know, even looking further down the line for Charlotte, if he doesn't think he's going to be, well, certainly not going to be here at the start of this season because of the Olympics or perhaps after this season he might, might be moved on. Perhaps there's a bit of a bit of future proofing going on in there as well. But I just think it's mm. it's going to be fascinating to see how we, we line up with those, with those lads and, Maybe early on to me, it's, you know, and assuming that Hamish Rodriguez goes as well, which has obviously been rumoured a lot over mm. the last few weeks. Uh, perhaps a bit of a return to the to the four four two might be on the cards. Yeah, it could be. I, the the one thing I'll say too about, you know, you brought up uh, Alex Awobi there. I, I, I mean, it, that that's the interesting thing, isn't it, re- in regards to what happens with Hamas, right? Like I, I, I think in a normal circumstance, um, in a normal world, whatever that even means anymore, um, where, where the financial uh, landscape is, is not coming back from the calamitous uh, year that we've just been through in regards to COVID and, and empty stadiums and so on. Um, I think that maybe it's a, it's a much easier exit for Hamas Rodriguez, but you know, given his season last season, uh, in terms of uh, the fitness, uh, you start factoring in that that he really seems he's one of those sort of top level talent players that only kind of probably has a limited set of of James Rodriguez like clubs that he that he would be suitable for, um, and and what he would command in wages. I I don't know that there is just this easy but button to push to uh, find a new home for James Rodriguez, and and he may he may have to to stick around for another season. I, I don't know, but let's just say that that it does go that direction. He is sold. I do wonder with the kind of the the uh, let's just say the 
lack of, I mean, there's not a ton of depth. Let's be, let's be really frank, uh, in terms of, uh, creative, uh, creative work in the midfield, right. Uh, you know, creative uh, players in, in the midfield. And so does that open up an opportunity for Alex Awobi to, to be moved more centrally finally into what he would probably consider to be his more preferred position? I, I, I think that I've seen enough of him on the wing that I don't really care to see much more of it. And the fact that we're signing all these other wingers makes me think that the club also has some recognition of that to a degree as well. Um, and so, you know, you've got, you've got some interesting questions to answer in that regard, but in terms of the way in which this should be able to impact guys like Calvert Lewin and Richarlison, I, I'm a big believer in the idea that the more pace that you get in the squad, and this will sound very obvious, but um, you know, part of the advantage there is, is not just the speed of the guy with the ball, um, but the, the, the threat, the constant threat, the constant seed of doubt that you plant uh, in, in a back line, you know, an opposing back line, because you've got guys that can, you know, can get past you at any point that can, you know, that will keep moving. Um, if Everton can, can create more, I mean, we talk about pace, but that pace can actually create more movement. And, and how often do we talk about the Everton attack being stagnant from the standpoint that it was always, there was often a lot of guys just kind of standing around waiting for something to happen. Uh, you'd have a a center half. Like I can't think of any times I saw Michael Keane with the ball, just kind of with his arms raised, like, what do you want me to do with this? (laughs) And I just, I, I do wonder if, if, even if these guys are not, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the the guys that we're talking about bringing in aren't aren't necessarily the the sort of elite uh, types that we would have loved to have brought in. Just the, the the fact of their pace alone should create a little more danger and a little more edge to this attack. The the Dwight McNeil thing, though, I think is interesting because you are. On the one hand, I think that you're not targeting Dwight McNeil unless you intend to start him, right? So um, I think that that he is clearly someone that, given the amount that it's going to take to potentially prize him from Burnley, that's someone that, that you definitely are going to play. Um, what does that then do in terms of the formation? What does that do in terms of the way in which you deploy Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin? If it is this sort of 4-4-2 um, is this going to be something that enables Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin to kind of finally play well together? I I, I know we've had some success with 4-4-2, and I know everyone kind of goes back to that time when Duncan Ferguson took over before Ancelotti, uh, you know, ultimately took over. And I, I still am not convinced that those two play that well together, but I also wonder I think, if some of that yeah, some I of think, that has to do with the service in general, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think with them too, for me, it's um when they when they played well together, sort of to, to quote what you were saying there, it was more they played well together because of the the presence of the other one was occupying another player, if that makes sense. It wasn't like they played well in tandem together. It was like yeah. Dom Dom scored goals because Richarlison would occupy another centre-back and Richarlison scored goals because Dom would make a run and occupy another centre-back. It wasn't necessarily, you know, you you think about some of the the great partnerships in Premier League history of, you know, York and Cole, Shearer and Sutton, uh, you know, even maybe Suarez and Daniel Sturridge, where it was, you know, little one-twos, one holding the ball up for the other. It was very much a case of them just thriving, sort of, because the other one was there. Um, Because I think that, that is going to be interesting, but in regards to the names and something you said there, in regards to us, you know, being able to, to counter and stuff like that, I think Townsend is somebody who you'd say, you know, it's 
probably from the outside looking in, Rob, when you know, we're seen us being linked to him initially, and you know, I was pretty down on this this deal initially when we, we were linked to him, obviously, and Gray as well. I thought they were quite underwhelming. Um, but when I saw Townsend's name and I thought about what he is as a footballer, I thought very much of a player who transitions well, a player who can cut in from the, the right hand side. Um, but I think that. And you know, and I think he can still do that to a degree. But I think that the more you read about him, and, and certainly you hear Crystal Palace fans talk about, him, you know, I spoke to, to Dan from HLTCO yesterday, um, in, a, in an interview that's up on on the Blue Room Extra Info. And I think what most people have sort of pointed out is, is his defensive acumen and his work rate, and how and how mm. good a lad he is to have. You know, that old cliche around the dressing room. And listen, I, I know Benitez got a lot out of him when they worked together briefly at, at Newcastle and. Um, you know, maybe, I'm not necessarily sure he's got that sort of attack and productivity in his game anymore. But uh, you know, the, the more I sort of think about it, if, if, if he's going to play 15 games, 20 games for us across the course of the campaign, if he's someone the manager trusts, if he's someone who is going to fit into a system that's going to be more about pragmatism um, and more about getting crosses into the box. You know, you referenced it there last season, according to who scored, he was the most accurate crosser of a ball in mm-hmm. the Premier League. Um, and you know, we had. Yeah, Christian Benteke to Aymar, who's obviously fallen off a cliff a little bit. If you put Dominic Carvalho in that situation, you might get a few more assists as well. But I think the more the more I think about it, while it's not, you know, I'm not going to rush out and get Townsend, whatever number he is on the back of my shirt by any means. But <laughs> uh, the more you sort of read about him, the more you sort of read about Benitez and how they work together and, and think about how this team may look, the more I just sort of think on a, on a one-year deal, I'm probably just about okay with this one. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's the thing. I, I, I can't remember. I think I read it today. It was a two year, but I think it's a one with a player with a, a club option. And, and, and that's, that's fine. Right. I, I, I do sort of think about to your point, the, the, the particular context, right. I mean, if you're, if you're signing him to start for you, then you've got some major problems. Um, but if you are signing him as, as an option, um, not only to, to start periodically, uh, as you said, but also I start thinking back to when we were in a position last season to, to need to bring some attacking talent off the bench. Uh, what, what were you looking at doing a lot of the time? I mean, we were bringing Andre Gomez off the bench. We were bringing, you know, occasionally Bernard when he got a look in and it just, it feels like in terms of bringing that guy off the bench, you know, 65 minutes in, who is just going to come in and run his his uh, his proverbial socks off, right? And and uh, not only defend, but but just kind of understands his role uh, to to get balls into the box and so on. I mean, I think that sometimes this it feels. I guess I would say that it almost feels like Townsend is is an example of not overthinking it. He's got a particular set of skills. Uh, there's nothing you know totally elaborate or or even necessarily that sexy about it. Per se, but he does serve a, a particular type of purpose and fills a need that that the side that this side don't currently have. I mean, I think the other thing too is is that we are in theory um, because we are not. We, you know, when we play these, we play bigger sides. We we set up to to hit them on the counter. But I always I always thought about how funny that that seemed because we, I just looked at the squad and thought. We're a counterattacking side who really aren't fast enough to counterattack on any sort of consistent basis, right? And so I think that just in any way, regardless of position, to inject pace into the side, I think is a good thing. Now, McNeil, you know, to get to your point about how Townsend led led the Premier League and 
cross, uh, you know, crossing accuracy last season. You know, I also, again, love, love who scored little, little tidbits on this whenever players come up in, uh, in transfer speculation, but, you know, Dwight McNeil has the, the most accurate second, most uh, accurate crosses over the last two premier league campaigns. Um, and, and he's shown that kind of consistency in a somewhat abject Burnley side in terms of, of obviously their, their offensive output, but um, to be able to do that to two seasons running and, you know, when, once you factor in his age, um, that's, that's certainly something that's a little more intriguing to me in terms of something that you can build upon. Uh, I'll be totally honest, Matt. And I said this the other day, or I guess it was yesterday when this, this uh, link came out from Paul Joyce. Uh, I genuinely did not know Dwight McNeil was under the age of 27. Uh, so to find out that he's only 21 was uh, a really refreshing. Feels <laughs> like he's me... been on the scene for so long now, doesn't it? Like, it's very he's, Tom he's Davis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's very Tom Davis. But, you know, and in, in, in terms of, you know, you, we, we've referenced before, like, look, it's Everton. It's a potentially expensive transfer. So who knows what kind of saga this may or may not devolve into. I don't really know. What I will say, though, and this just getting into the part of the transfer, you know, this part of the discussion that goes beyond fit and goes into the, the questions we always get asked of how likely, likely do you think something like this is, this is to happen. You know, part of the reason that this is my favorite season is that, that I love reading the tea leaves or interpreting uh, certain media drops and, and those types of things. Um, I do find it interesting that Paul Joyce just decided to say that Everton are interested in Dwight McNeil because I was thinking back to it and I'm like, when does Paul Joyce ever weigh in on a player that Everton is just kind of randomly interested in? You know, usually he is, he is tweeting about a player once it is a, once it is very far down the line. And so while this may not be far down the line, I do think that they must, there must be something beyond just a passing interest uh, and, and something that's a little more solid. So I'm, I'm a little little I'm, I'm I went from being you know being a little pessimistic about something like this getting done uh to being a little more I don't know slightly optimistic that it, that it could be something that gets done but in terms of the fit in terms of you know the decision to play pacey wing players who you know have priority one and one a is to get the ball into the box to to dribble with the ball to put pressure on defenses then I can't really say I have a problem with this overall approach and that's not even to mention Damari Gray who I I'm not counting on anything from Damari Gray of course but given his age uh given the fact that he still has retains so much of the the you know, the particular skill set that he's probably already had and really just frankly is probably in a position where he needs a combination of opportunity and, uh, and coaching, uh, that there may be, there may be a, a gem there that they can unearth. Uh, and given the, the relative pittance that we apparently are paying for him, that that's also somewhat intriguing as well. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll come, we'll come on to him in, in a bit more detail a bit later, but McNeil, I think is the, the interesting one, because I think, you know, it's sort of a bit like, you know, getting two wingers and potentially cheap options. Now, now what could come? And then, you know, this one, like you said, appears sort of out of nowhere. I think the Echo uh, and Paul Joyce, as you mentioned, were the first to, to pick it up and run with this one. Fee around 25 million quoted. Aston Villa are apparently interested in in McNeil as as well. Um, you know, it's you mentioned there about the, the numbers being is you know, as part of it, but Burnley team, it doesn't really attack that much and, 
I think me and you were sort of talking about this yesterday, whether, you know, I think you do get this sometimes with players at these clubs when potentially looking at them and you look at the numbers and, you know, you look at some like McNeil and overall his goal return last season, two goals, five assists. And I think there are players that some, some of them are quite, you know, poultry in that area because they're just not very good. And some are quite poultry in that area because they've got defensive restrictions on them. Um, you've got to cover the fullback, then not play for a team that, that, that has a, a lot of the ball. I mean, is, does McNeil feel like more of, of the latter to you? Because I think, I think for me, and you know, this this is probably the sign out the three that would excite me the most. Because I think out the three, he's the one that seems like he's got that little bit of extra something, that little bit of star quality. As you mentioned, he's still very young in, in his career, and mm. I think in an, you know. Obviously, for a, a you know a winger who is fast and skillful and wants to get forward, playing for for a Sean Dice side isn't necessarily ideal. But maybe you can look at someone like him and say, well, the sort of basics of the game and the defensive, you know, the importance of defending well, the importance of working hard, all those, you know, blood, sweat, and tears characteristics have, have been instilled in him already. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know. It's it's it totally depends on which way you look at it when it comes to these players at these sorts of clubs, isn't it? And making that step up. But I think out the three is obviously the one that will be the most most costly, and I think for most people, be the most exciting. Yes, and uh, I think the other thing to add here too, if you want to. If you want to play the game of projection, which I know with with Everton is always a bit tricky, but um, I, I think I think we're pretty comfortable now, uh, given you know, especially compared to where we were maybe a month, month and a half ago. Um, we're pretty comfortable with the, with the uh, the notion that Richarlison's going to be here for at least this season. <laughs> I mean, we were saying this exact same thing last season too, right? And so, so to be honest, Rob, he's, he's playing so much footy at the moment. I don't know when he'd be able to fit a transfer in. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I, I don't think he's got time to do much of anything else. But yeah, I I think I which I think is smart, by the way, because of the fact that selling low in a def, you know an artificially deflated economy like this, uh, coming off of of his poorest Premier League season so far for Everton I, I I think it would be madness to sell him at this point but hopefully you get him to bounce back and and I do look at someone like Dwight McNeil then as well when Richarlison is gone um, next let's let's say theoretically he's gone next season if you're retaining Calvert-Lewin you still you know you have your primary striker which is what he is now anyway and um, Richarlison who is a striker a wing player a little bit of everything thing uh i wonder in some ways if 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 mcneil is not not the replacement when i say replacement everyone automatically goes to the player comparison and says well they don't play the same they don't score the same though i understand that but i do think in terms of a starting caliber uh important to the squad foundational player contributes at a very high level i think that the idea with someone like dwight mcneil to your point is that uh, the, the the talent, the flashes are, are there. Uh, obviously, we saw the beautiful goal he scored against us, which, of course, makes us want to sign him even more, I'm sure. Uh, but Yeah, Yarmolenko Yom- syndrome, I think that's oh, cool, isn't it? Yeah. Don't even get me started on, on my, <laughs> my one true love, Andre Yarmolenko, but... Um, yeah, like I, I do look at I do look at him and, and I see the idea was, OK, if you are as someone who follows Everton and follows the construction aspect of this club and you're you're really into the idea of Everton signing players 
who are on the uptick, who are who need to move from one club to an, an ascendant situation at Everton at the right age profile with the right set of skills, um, you know, an, an exciting English pacey winger um, who, who really doesn't seem to even be close to his ceiling yet, um, by all accounts. I mean, that does seem to be like the kind of a player you want to sign. Now, my concern, of course, with that is that we're talking about a player that's coming from the Premier League and therefore you're paying Premier League prices to, to get them. Um, and, and by the way, it, it doesn't necessarily, if, if it's not McNeil, I, I would expect that, that Everton have kind of shown that, that that's where they've decided to spend some of their money. And by the way, when we talk about all of this, 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 uh, this momentum towards uh, playing with more width uh, and being able to deploy more pace uh, on, you know, around the perimeter of the pitch, we haven't even discussed right back at this point, which I do think will I'm fingers crossed that this is finally the year they address that. Um, I, I think that, that the, the, the getting a player like McNeil, and being able to look at him and say, all right, we're going to build around, you know, build uh, with McNeil as one of our primary parts moving forward, I think is, is pretty exciting given the raw talent that you clearly see from him. And to your point, Matt, the foundational work that he's already kind of put in, in terms of, 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 of the hard work, the, the graft, uh, the, the defensive responsibility, those sorts of things that, that y- you have to have if you're going to play in a Sean Dyche side. So I, I do, I, I do hope that we're getting I, I do hope that if if he is the one that that we ultimately end up signing as, as kind of our one of our two or maybe three somewhat significant signings, uh, I, I do I, I do think that that we're getting a player that that we can improve and, and a player that can uh, be at you know begin to be at his best for us right when we need him. Yeah, and I suppose as well. It's it's not as if he's coming to join Everton. Well, an Everton team that's managed by someone like Roberto Martinez or, or Marco Silva, where it's going to be based on possession, it's going to be based on pressing really high up the pitch and you know doing all those sorts of things. You know, we're not going to be super expansive. He's going to still have to play in a team where he's going to have defensive responsibilities because Rafael Benitez's teams have always had players who have to to put a shift in. That's one of the reasons why it didn't work out for him and James Rodriguez necessarily at Real Madrid. So I think anyone who comes in. There will be a bit of an onus on them to to do that side of the game as well. So maybe it's it's smart to sort of look at players that have come from teams like 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 Palace and and Burnley or Beer who you know look at and say may not have the sort of quality that we've players we've signed in recent years, but have certainly got that work ethic. Certainly know where to to put themselves and how to close off angles and how to you know cover the fullback and all those sorts of things. So. I think that's definitely something to, to factor in as well. Although perhaps the, the last player we're going to talk about today, Rob, maybe doesn't come into that category quite as much. Um, Damari Gray, um, when I saw Everton were linked with him, I sort of thought, you know, he's obviously gone off the radar, but he struggled at, at Leicester. Um, he's gone out to Germany. Had a decent start there before it all sort of came off the rails. I wasn't really too keen on it. And then I saw the fee is 1.5 million. Yeah. And I was... Quite, quite shocked. Quite shocked by that, to be honest. And I think maybe this is just a. It feels like just a a classic gamble, doesn't it? Everton have seen there's a, there's a player there who's clearly got talent, has clearly gone a little bit astray in his career at some point. Right. I've seen how much he'd be available for, and thought this this could be worth a, a bit of a gamble because I suppose at his time in the Premier League, you know, sort of having a look at his his numbers here. 
Um, most games he started for Leicester in the season was 2018-19. Started 23 games that season. Um, started 17 the year before. Other than that, hasn't started more than 10 games in a Premier League season. But like I said, clearly got talent. Still only 25. Has, has gone out to Germany. It's, it's not quite worked out for him. And perhaps they might have just looked at him and thought, if this lad can come in and chip him with five goals, maybe grab five assists or something like that over the course of an entire campaign in all competitions, then then 1.5 million is probably just about worth it. hundred percent. I I'm of the opinion that when you try to evaluate moves like this, um, like use the word before Matt, I would almost go, I'd go, uh, I'd take it a different direction and almost say, this is just taking a flyer on a guy because it, it's only one and a half million. And sorry, sorry that, to interrupt you again there, Rob, but what, with that fee as well, Everton, if it doesn't work out, Everton could probably sell him again, couldn't they? And still, you know, there's still resale value there for him. And, you know, he could come in, even if he played 10, 15 games and had, you know, a couple of goals, yeah. then they could probably make the, the money back on him, if not a little bit more, but for someone in the yeah. top part of the championship or the Premier League. Sure. Do, quote, doubling your money on a, on a one and a half million uh, pound investment is certainly not like, it's not a, out of the, the realm of possibility if he becomes... Kind of half decent contributor, but again, at that point, you're probably thinking, well, maybe this is someone I'd like to retain for a bit longer as well. But I think, really, more than anything else, um, when this to me seems like a win-win situation for everyone, right? Um, clearly, someone like Damari Gray would will be at least in theory um, highly motivated uh, to be able to come back to the Premier League and get an opportunity. He knows that at age 25, he's certainly passed that threshold of no longer being a prospect, no longer being a kid. Uh, He is a fully formed adult player who has got to begin performing and defining what his career ultimately looks like, right? And so I think that to be able to get pace, to be able to get uh, a wing player and to be able to get that package in a 25-year-old who has Premier League experience, uh, who, uh, I mean, he was on a title winning side. I mean, like all, all those things, I mean, uh, the, the title winning part, whatever. I, I but I, I would say that just, just having all of those things for such a, a small investment to me is the, the type of move that you got to be comfortable with. Um, I think everyone, I think that if you're talking about Alex Awobi for 35 million, you don't like signing, <laughs> signing a player like that, who I think at the time was 23. He's now about, I think he's, now 25 Uh, but you compare the situations and you say well um, if I've got you know pacey 25 year old player who who can do certain things relatively well I'm much more excited about the idea of 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 potentially taking this essentially this uh, you know quick bet buying a lotto ticket whatever you want to call it and, and it winning big knowing that if it doesn't work out like you said I mean even if he c- just contributes in any kind of modest fashion like if he scores even a couple goals three goals this season off the bench uh, he's someone that you can move on again uh, given that he'll only be 26 years old. But um, I, I do think that that these are the sort of projects that sometimes, not all, not all the time, obviously, but 
sometimes can pay off. Um, and so I think all the conditions are there. He's on a short term enough deal that he's going to be hungry to try and earn a longer term deal. Um, I think Everton uh, looks at looks at players look will look at a player like this as an opportunity more than anything else. And uh, you know, from that standpoint, I I'm comfortable with it from the same way that I'm comfortable with Townsend on a one essentially a one year guaranteed deal. Um, you've got to be able to in team sport um, recognize that you can uh, you know you need. I think the word in in the I've always heard using the NFL sometimes you've got to churn the bottom of that squad right churn that roster like churn you know the the ins and outs in that that area where you've got guys that can be fluid in and out. If you if they don't work out fine, you bring new guys in that fit that similar profile. But what you hope is that eventually a few of them do pay off. Um, you can make the money back. You can uh, get a contributor. And in Damari Gray, I will say, uh, if we're going back to ideas of 2018, uh, I was pretty excited when we were at some point linked with him in 18, 2019, I believe. Uh, and to get him now, um, and and he's not coming off of a huge, you know. And that's the other thing I look for too. When I saw that FEMA, Matt, I was thinking, is he coming off a an ACL? Uh, is this a Chink Tosin situation or something yeah. like that? It's he's not. He's fit. He's ready to go. And so, uh, you know, from that standpoint, I'm perfectly fine with it. And uh, I might even be slightly optimistic about it. But uh, <laughs> one and a half million—that's about all I can muster. At this yeah, point. it's dangerous when it comes to us. But you, you've just said something there as well, which I think you know. I think um, the phrase "young hungry players" is thrown around so often. It's, you know, it's become a bit of a, a cliche yeah. now. But you. you, you you do look at those three lads and you think they all should be of the right mindset going into the season for, for different reasons. It's not like signing, the, like we have done so many times over the past few years, it's not like signing an Awobi where he's been a, a juggernaut of a football club and it's not worked out and it's all of a sudden, well, I've got to make this, this step down again now. You know, McNeil is still very much on an upward trajectory in his mm-hmm. career if that one comes up. And then Townsend and Gray, obviously Gray's a, a lot, younger than Townsend, but I think both of them are sort of in this position where, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a last chance go for them, isn't it? If it, to be playing for a, for a, a top half Premier League team, you know, if it doesn't work out for Townsend, Everton won't renew his contract next season and he'll end up being, you know, at, at best a, a bottom half Premier League team, maybe top half of the championship and the same probably goes for, for Damari Gray as well. You know, these lads have sort of been handed a lifeline to, to come in and, and actually work hard and fight for the place and maybe there's not been quite enough of that at Everton in recent years yeah no there's not been enough not maybe there has not been enough of that and, <laughs> and I, I I think that when we try to diagnose Matt like we we talk we, how much time do we spend on the Blue Room podcast trying to diagnose uh and try to kind of psychologically deconstruct this group of players right I I think we consider all these different factors and, and sometimes we admit that we're out of our depth we don't really totally understand why the effort is there sometimes why it, it's not there other times uh etc but what I will say is that sometimes introducing a bit of um, a, 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 a few wild cards, if you will, into the mix. Um, a few players that have, let's be clear, let's be honest, like frankly, different motivations than some of the other players. I mean, that, you know, those, the players that we've got who are on long-term deals, I'm not, you know, some of them work their, work their tails off. So I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but what I will say is that it can't be a bad thing 
to not to have a group of players who are a mix of you know different types different backgrounds um, but also players who are at different stages of their career um, and who have different types of motivations and I think that sometimes that can create a good mix and, and I will say that we would love for the players to just be motivated for motivation's sake. Whereas I think that you, you take players like Townsend who at age 30, you know, if you're signing him to a three-year deal, then I'm thinking to myself, well, that's, we're just asking for another Fabian, Fabian Delft situation. Right. Um, but I don't think a, that Townsend has that, that reputation and B, the fact that he's on a one-year deal means that he has got to play his ass off to be able to earn another contract, whether it's with Everton or somewhere else, um, because he's at that age where even if he's kind of eyeing what retirement looks like in four or five years, uh, he knows that he's that he's got very few uh, prime money-making uh, years left, especially if 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 his Premier League clock is starting to tick down. Um, whereas players like Damari Gray are motivated because they are at a crossroads, just a different crossroads, right? Um, Damari Gray is not only playing for his financial future, <clears throat> but he's playing really to define his career as a whole because right now he is viewed as a guy who busted out of the Premier League and he's been given this lifeline. And so he's got all the motivation in the world to, to be able to, you know, to, to, to be able to go out and do it. Um, I think then, that it, and then of course you, you address McNeil and that's, that's the other thing. He, his, his motivation is to prove that he's a star and that he can be a star. And so I like the idea of having this kind of mix of players who've got different motivations, who've got their own reasons to want to succeed and excel. Um, I think Everton can use some of that, that edge, you know, hopefully, and, and that you get guys who uh, not only will need to exert that effort, but have the, the skill sets to be able to, you know, transform that effort into a lot of pace, a lot of production, potentially, uh, maybe a lot is a strong word, but, but, uh, you know, hopefully again, um, when you talk about a sport where you deploy 11 players on a pitch, sometimes it's not about all of them. You know, it's not about one player just doing everything, but if you have more players, more of that 11 who are running a little faster, running a little bit harder, who are trying a little more collectively to make things happen, then the, the, the kind of net effect of that could be something that, that would be, incredibly incredibly crucial for Everton moving forward when you consider that while we finished 10th last season um, we we were a, a team that failed when it came to close margins we were a team that failed when we needed that one goal when we needed that one result to go our way if we could turn any of those around um, even just a little bit of incremental progress in that regard could see us see our fortunes change you know somewhat significantly even though again my my, my right now as the squad is currently constructed, I, I'm not certainly thinking that we're anything beyond, you know, maybe an eighth place, uh, ninth place side right now. But um, I, I think the opportunity is, is there. And I like the fact that Everton are, are thinking a little differently in terms of the types of players and the types of motivations that they're collecting in this squad. Yeah, I like the idea of seeing loads of lads in blue shirts running dead fast down the pitch. It feels, like, yeah. it feels like we've not seen that since um, Walcott's goal against Watford just before oh. lockdown, when it was Richarlison, Keane and, and Walcott obviously charging forward. You know, last yeah. season there wasn't really any of that. So, um, we can see some fast counter-attacking again. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with these lads coming in. But um, I think we're, we're both 
well, we both probably agree that it's got to be it's got to be more than these. These can't be the only ones coming in. I'm just going to quickly rattle through some comments. We've had Rob, have you got any thoughts on any of these? Uh, give us a shout. Uh, Upper Gladys Blue saying Gray will be a good signing. Begovic is completely fine signing to provide backup. I don't think anyone would really argue with that. Yeah. And Towns, Towns, and uh, I don't think we should be signing any outfield players age 30 plus unless they're a world beater. I think for me, it's short-term deals like that are fine, really. I suppose, Rob, it's, you know, it's not as if we tied him down to you know, a four or five-year contract, is it? Right. Well, let me, let me say this one last thing on Townsend. When, whenever, whenever people develop these kind of hard, fast truisms about, well, there's, under no circumstances should we be signing a player X age, right? <laughs> well, I would disagree. Under certain circumstances and under certain parameters, I have zero problem with that. If the player is good enough, if the player uh, provides a certain, you know, missing skill set, which I think Townsend does to a degree. Um, and I, honestly, I think that without, <laughs> it's hard to say this, I'm kind of dancing around a little bit, but let's be honest. I mean, in terms of our 30, age 30 plus players, um, or even 29 plus players, whatever you want to call it, how many of those guys are are these uh, you know super high character guys that that you feel like are are going to you know set an, set a tone et cetera et cetera um, you know beyond beyond uh, Seamus Coleman uh, what what are we looking at Del? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you, you're starting to realize that, 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 that maybe sprinkling in with, and I think we forget it sometimes, but we're still a relatively young side overall. We're not a, I'm not saying we're the youngest side, but we certainly have, you know, uh, some relative youth, especially if Thomas uh, Rodriguez leaves. And I think that you're, I think that having good, solid veteran presences, uh, if and this is the big if, because this was the theory with Delph, but it's if they are willing to come in and be motivated and work uh, and be an example to those younger players of what what a, a consistent long-term Premier League career looks like. And hey, you can say what you want about Townsend, and, and I certainly don't think he is any kind of world beater at this stage of his career, but the guy has hung in the Premier League for a long time, and it's no accident. Um, there's a reason that, that he's been sought out to continue playing uh, by managers managers that he's had at this age um and so I, I don't i don't have a problem mixing that kind of player in under the right circumstances in the same vein that i would have liked you know don't really like delph now but you know delph was coming in on a one-year deal with and with no fee attached then of course that's no problem i mean i think that that maybe you get a different kind of player um but i think the circumstances are right i think you've got a player who needs to prove something he's on a one-year deal it's no risk for everton all the motivation and all the 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 impetus and the onus is really on on Townsend at this point so I've got no problem you know with signing a squad player who can add some some strategic value here and there yeah I totally agree with you mate and just um sort of to finish off this and hopefully this is play we'll have an update on when we do this show next week uh Wayne Brown has said Dumfries excites me as current fullback uh cannot be asked to play another full season two seasons after we tried to replace him other than that Gray might potentially be exciting I think uh Dumfries would be loads and loads and loads of fun if we got in through the door wouldn't we I'm I I know I know I'm doing the thing Matt where I watched a Euros <laughs> or I watched a Copa and I fell in love with a player but it look it, it even if even if Dumfries doesn't score those goals at the Euros 
he was in the mix constantly, wasn't he? I mean, and, and by the way, there was a lot of versatility that he showed that I don't think I was aware of. I mean, he is ostensibly a right back, um, but he, he was deployed at times in what, what amounted to a, a right-sided uh, attacking, uh, you know, forward you know, position at times and looked incredibly comfortable. Again, going back to that discussion we just had about what, you know, don't you need, if you're going to call yourself a counterattacking side, you, you can't really do it with a straight face unless you've got the pace to back up sort of that assertion. Right. And so uh, Dumfries has that he's 25 years old. Uh, he's an experienced senior professional at this point. He also is on the upward trajectory of his career. I mean, this is around the time where we were signing Luca Dean. I mean, I think that this is the, this is the, if we can, if, and again, I think I'm a little afraid on the Dumfries front because the links that we've seen in the media haven't been especially strong at this point, um, though I know Patty referenced him in, in his piece the other day. I do think that Everton are uh, are I, I don't think there's any scenario. Uh, of course, I shouldn't say that. I'm knocking on wood. I, I cannot imagine them not signing a right back before the the window is com is over. Because to ask that of Seamus to, to put Seamus Coleman in that position, regardless of what you think of him as a his career, his his captaincy, whatever, um, you just can't be aspiring to do things in the Premier League while trying to start a player of that age. Uh, and asking him to play, you know, 32 plus plus matches every season. It's just, it's unreasonable. And I don't necessarily want to see one of our center backs put out, you know, to the right side again. And uh, I don't think we're playing three at the back, though, I, you know, with Benitez, who knows? I, I think some of that is yet to be seen. But um, yes, Dumfries excites me. I would love to see that get done. We know that there are connections between him and Marcel. Uh, brands and 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 you hope that um, given uh, the fact that what we've read at least is that that it's been Inter who have, have been the primary competition and they really don't have the funds to compete with us in this regard. Uh, you hope that that Dumfries uh, uh, holiday is coming to an end and he'll be making a choice on a new side here pretty soon. But if it's not him, uh, Diego, I believe that the name that continues to pop up every the last few seasons or last couple seasons has been uh, and yeah, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Diego is it Dallo yeah. yeah, I can't yeah. pronounce it but um, <laughs> you know I, I I think that 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 he may I kind of doubt that one a little bit more but yeah Dumfries would be exciting and again all this talk of wings uh, all this talk of adding pace uh, and adding more crossing and adding more um, you know more danger to the perimeter of the pitch is all great but if we don't balance out that right side <laughs> I, I just don't think we have the ability to be as effective as we want to be it's like playing with one hand tied behind your back we've got to address that position yeah it's going to be interesting the next few weeks um yeah enjoy that rob hopefully next week we'll be able to get hey. to do it again and speak a bit more about players matt you mentioned outgoings before do we want to really quick through i mean it looks like bernard is going to go hmm. um by all indications um but there've probably got to be more um you know you hope you hope that there are a few more that that go out but uh, i i I don't know what is your sense at this point of of where the outgoings uh, are headed because I, I still think that there may be a mystery guest, if you will, in terms of a player we weren't expecting to leave. You know, Bernard and Hamas are kind of the easy ones to, to point at and say, and then obviously Moise Keane, 
the Moise Keen thing is interesting because he wants to go. His old clubs seem to want him back, but they don't seem to want him back enough to actually pay money for it. So I I hope that we're not going to get stuck with with a very unhappy Moise Keen either. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Keen sort of feels like the you know the domino maybe in, in a lot of this, doesn't he? Um, but I think when you, when you most spoke about him on Kickabout maybe a couple of weeks ago, you both were, were absolutely spot on. I echo the sentiments entirely. There's there's no reason for Everton to rush into trying to sell this lad, you know, yeah. ASAP or get him out alone ASAP. You know, he's one of European football's most exciting striking prospects. Um, you know, he's done it in Italy. He's done it in France. And, you know, the only options out there for him or the only option out there for him is not PSG. As you mentioned, Juventus might come back in for him. Someone in Italy might come back in for him. And, you know, if Everton's valuation doesn't get met, he stays here for another season and he can't afford to sulk and, and sit on his hands because there's a World Cup in 18 months and I'm sure he's going to want to be part of that where Italy are going to be going in as European champions. So um, I don't really see an, an issue with that. Um yeah. Maybe, maybe I will say about motivations we were just talking about, Matt. Moise Keane, for anyone who's afraid that he's just going to kind of mail it in, I I don't know that he can afford to. Like you said, he can't suck because of the World Cup, but also if if he's coming off the season he just had for PSG and they're not willing to pay money to retain him now, they're certainly not going to be willing to pay or another side willing to pay big money to, you know, quote, give him his escape from Everton if he isn't producing. Because at that point, he will just be a sulking, non-productive striker with an attitude problem. And they don't and that's not that's not what gets you your move. So um, I don't really necessarily want that to I, I've gone back and forth on that. I really would prefer and get the money somehow uh but the market has to develop and let's be clear this is a very interesting and very challenging marketplace uh compared to you know seasons past yeah absolutely uh lots to come uh the, the one other player rob of course and we won't dwell on this now because i don't want to make you sad who's the link to the move away is yerry mina so <laughs> yeah um yeah, we'll breeze past that. I'm sure you. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> no, Mo, I'm sure. No, Mo's will be ready to give you. I will, a, give, I will give you the very short answer on that. Um, I'll believe that one when, when I see an actual <laughs> link. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is because there's a list. Uh, you know, there's always some list of players who could go or maybe be made available. But again, look at the contract situation of Yerry Mina, and you tell me, you know, where, you know, I, 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 there has to be, there has to be a fit somewhere. There has to be a situation that makes sense. And um, I'm not, other than seeing him as possibly being available, I haven't really read anything or seen anything from any credible source that says he's strongly linked with any particular uh, destination at this point. And so it's just hard for me to, I've been baited with this a lot, Matt, as you know, like everyone is asking me, Oh my God, Rob, did you see that there was some, sport article in Spain that he could be going or that he, that Benitez doesn't fan, you know, favor him at all. Like I doesn't rate him. I'm like, well, I, you know, I can't get worked up about conjecture at this point. I mean, I think that you gotta wait to see things develop, but I, I would say that Yerry Mina, um, you know, despite having uh, some issues staying fit in the latter part of last season, um, was on a really nice run of fitness for most of the season. I think he and Keen paired well. I think 
Gary Mina played very, very well when he played, obviously. And just from a pure leadership and character perspective, I, I don't see why you, you want to be in a rush to jettison guys like that um, when, when you're talking about issues, uh, you know, talking about a squad that is in need of is in need of, of leadership and, and character guys and, and so on and so forth. But again, I'm not the director of football. I am not the manager. So uh, if Yerry Mina does indeed go guys, I will, I will cry for a couple of days and not talk to any of you. And then I will go buy his shirt from his next club and yeah. uh, move on with my life. We will chart, we will chart Rob's break, uh, breakdown here on the blue room. Uh, don't you guys worry about that. But yeah, I will call it a day there this week on the transfer show. Cheers everyone for, Getting your questions in. Cheers for listening. Uh, like I said, we've got loads of stuff on the Blue Room Extra, including that interview with Dan from HLTCO, all about Andros Towns. And I also got a chat coming up with Pete Selby, um, obviously from the Leicester podcast for fuck's sake, uh, to about Damari Gray. So that'll be available in full on there as well. So if you want to come and join us over there, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra, uh, pound a week, multiple Everton shows every single weekday. As we go into this very busy part of the campaign, uh, kick about this week, Rob. Who's lined up for that? Um, as of right now, it's Mark and I, um, but we may be adding a third. We're 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 kind of scrambling here. I'm leaving town on Thursday, and so uh, just trying to you know scramble to to get our third in. But uh, either way, it'll be Mark and I, and we'll be talking about i will say that um while we we are you know notably limited in some ways of 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 talking about the news of the day um i do have a lot of thoughts on uh fast fast and the furious part seven which i completed last night um my odyssey through the fast and furious movies guys has been life-changing can't wait to share my thoughts with mark uh, tomorrow when we record. <laughs> Marvellous. Looking forward to that. Uh, so check that out as well from the lads. But yeah, that's been your first transfer show of the summer. Cheers for listening. I will be back again soon. When you bundle your renters and auto insurance with Progressive, you could save money, but it doesn't cover any terrible memories living rent-free in your head. Hey, just wanted to remind you of that time your kicker missed the extra point and lost the game. Even though he'd literally never missed an extra point, he chose this playoff game to miss. Yeah, I just noticed you hadn't thought about that in a bit. Wouldn't want you to miss, you know, thinking about it. Sorry, we can't save you from that memory, but we could save you money bundling your renters and auto insurance with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Renters insurance and bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.